Um, so the, the Manubidi is 1,040 um, kilometres long um, and the elevation is, uh, yeah, sort of 13, Possibly. Yeah, 13 to 15,000 metres um, total ascent. And three days. Three days, 15 hours and 43 minutes. Yeah, I was... <laughs> I know, like, you know, people said to me, um, oh, yeah, you could do it in that time. And, you know, and I even, like, I didn't sleep for the first 550 kilometres. So the first place I slept was in Nanup. And even then I slept for 20 minutes. So my total sleep time was about one hour, 15 minutes over that whole 1,000 Ks. So, again, if somebody told me that I was, that I could do the entire Mundabee on less than an hour and a half sleep, I would have been like, that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of just shows again, like just don't put any limits on yourself about what is possible and just go for it and see how it goes. G'day listeners. So it's been a busy year for all of us and the amateur hour has been busy once again sitting down with ultra-endurance cyclist Sasha Dow, the women's record holder for the Mundabidi Ultra and second fastest time overall. Sasha shares with us her passion for just pushing the limits in this great sport, just seeing how far she can go by keeping things simple, not looking too far ahead. She's a very special athlete with a lot of spark and in this episode, she just shares some of her mind-blowing achievements with us and the simple mindsets that she's taken into her events that have worked so well for her. I just love sitting down with Sasha, chatting and learning from her, and that theme of less assumptions and more attempting really filters through. So hope you get heaps from it. Cheers, guys. Welcome to the Amateur Hour. How thank are you, you, Sasha? I'm good, thank you, Alistair. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited to chat today about your sport and all things Mundabidi. And yeah, yeah it's um, great. I got in touch with you through a good friend of ours, Glenn Overall, and he was just so buzzing after your record um, effort on the Mundabidi. He flicked it through to a group chat that we're in and um, I was just like, yep, I'd love to chat to her. Um, Mundabidi is close to my heart and just love all things riding. So let's charge in. Um, sure. Yeah, thanks, thanks again. So let's look at you growing up you're from New Zealand yes um whereabouts in New Zealand did you grow up I grew up in Hokitika which is a tiny town on the west coast of the South Island so yeah been in Aussie since um 2014 yeah pretty uh part of the world down there yes yeah certainly is yeah I kind of got into cycling in the wrong place I feel because I didn't get into it until I was over here okay cool (laughs) did you ride a bike around a little kid at all Oh, yeah, you know, probably not more than your average kid, really. Um, you know, some um, me and my friends, girlfriends would go down to the local swimming holes on our bikes and things like that. So, yeah, being a small town and it was surrounded by uh, bush and swimming holes and lakes and, and all that. So, yeah, we definitely did a little bit of riding around. But, yeah, I didn't, you know, I wasn't any kind of, you know, into cycling properly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you're exploring was there a bit of a nature in you of just wanting to turn the corner and what's next and what's out there and being around nature 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my um, my parents brought me up in a um, yeah, in a great way in that regard because we were always yeah spending time in nature. You know, we um, like pretty much I grew up down the local lake every weekend because we did sailing and we would go bushwalking. Um, yeah, so definitely a lot of adventures there um, as a kid with the family. So yeah, that certainly got me into um, yeah my love of of nature really. So yeah, exciting. So. Yeah, you um, went off and studied a little bit older and you got into zoology. Yes. And right. did a master's in that area. Yeah. And had a real interest in animal welfare. Mm-hmm. Talk a bit about those years. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I just loved animals. So I, I thought, oh, you know, what, um, what do I want to do? And it was definitely going to be something with animals. So I thought I'll go and study zoology. I didn't really have much of an idea what, what I'd end up doing. But, um, but I sort of fell into animal welfare um, at university and yeah, I, um, I actually started a animal welfare charity in New Zealand, um, called Cat Rescue Christchurch and, um, but I, I pretty much burnt myself out doing that and working full time for an animal charity. It was just far too much. Um, so, um, I decided to leave and, and head overseas and then ended up in Australia but um, but I'm pleased to say that my um, the charity that I started is actually still continuing. So I managed to pass on the baton, and yeah, <laughs> it's awesome, yeah. awesome. So with a well earned break, you went over to Southeast Asia. Yes, and, yeah. And um, yeah, did some woofing. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, so woofing um, it stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. So it's this great opportunity where you can um, work in exchange for food and accommodation. So it's a great way to see the world and, you know, on a budget as well. So I did a bit of that around Southeast Asia and I did some other volunteering um, things like in animal welfare charities. Like I spent six months near Chengdu in China uh, working at the Bear Rescue Centre. Um, so they rescue bears from bio farms and that kind of thing. Um yeah, so um, that was, yeah, that was really good. Um, that was a real highlight yeah. looking back. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, any other places in that time that you really stood out for you? Experiences in the travelling? Yeah. yeah. Um, because you did a bit of backpacking. Yeah, I did. I did do some um, a few hiking trips, um, like in China, and I just I was just um, blown away by the beauty in China. You know, I had nothing. I didn't have any expectations um, at all, and I didn't really plan to go to China. Just you know, this opportunity came up to do the volunteering. And then I thought, well, I'm here. I may as well go and, you know, see some of the country. And, yeah, it was stunning. And then, you know, some of the time I did hire a cheap bike and um, and just go around for the day and through local villages and, you know, probably didn't have many gears and <laughs> was a bit rusty and things like that. But, you know, I just absolutely loved doing that kind of thing. So, you know, see the the, the true side of each country rather than just the, the touristy side, you know some places where they couldn't even um they couldn't speak english and i couldn't speak much of their language maybe apart from hello and thank you um and then i remember you know sometimes i'd like draw a picture of a bicycle to try and find out you know is there somewhere i could hire a bike or borrow a bike so i could go out and see places so yeah yeah i love that (laughs) cool um yeah i mean when you are traveling by foot or by treadley it's the ultimate way to really see a place properly yeah if you're on a bus tour like that you know you do go to the main spots where the where the peeps are but mm. those two options really get you a chance to to get um off the main street sometimes and yes get a yeah feel for, for sure yeah and i'd absolutely love it. it's my dream one day to be able to travel you know sort of more you know around the world or at least you know more extensive extensively via bike 
Uh, yeah, Exciting. hopefully one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got a bit smelly or you started to run out of clothes or something like that and you thought, I need to just, yeah, get in touch with a friend over in Perth. Yes, that's and right. so, yeah, yep. it was just a stop off that, that turned into a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, so, still here. Um, yeah, so a friend from uni and school lives here and, and I thought, yeah, I'll come visit her and then go from there. I thought, you know, running out of money, so I'd better get a job. It had been... Uh, yeah, since 2012 when I left New Zealand last had a job. So <laughs> I thought I better, should do that. But uh, of course I got here and I was like, oh no, stuff working. Mm. So you went um, straight to Serpentine area, is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So got into the woofing there. So yeah, found a, a great opportunity there to, to live on a hobby farm and just help out around the place. And um, yeah, obviously get provided with accommodation and food and, and pretty much didn't leave for three years. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, um, very, very quickly you would have discovered, you know, the bushwalks out there and, um, yeah, different fauna, different, yeah, flora over here than what you would have seen for the previous couple of years. Yes. Um, yeah. What was it that wanted you, I guess, subconsciously you, you started to stay here instead of moving on? What What was it? Um, yeah, good question. But I did, yeah, when you say about the bush, I mean, um, I found out about the Bibbleman when I was woofing there, Bibbleman Track. So, and I'd, in the past, I'd had some um, sort of issues with um, unexplained fatigue. And I sort of thought, you know, I don't know how my body's going to cope with that kind of, you know, multi-day thing. And, and, but I'd always had on my wish list to do um, cycle touring, like multi-day cycle touring. And again, that was another thing I thought, oh, I don't know if my body can cope with that. You know, so I've been thinking this way for quite a while. And then eventually I was like, Ah, oh, you know what? I should just give it a go because maybe it's fine, you know. And and so I decided, yeah, I got some some better gear and I started to do yeah. um, the Bilman track. I did it in four sections, um, and the longest section was five weeks from Collie to Albany, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, that simplicity of being out there in the bush, and you know, you don't have to think about much. You just you know, you're just walking and you're eating and sleeping and that's pretty much it. And you're just sleeping out there in the huts. And I did it in winter, so it was quite cold and wet. But yeah. the advantage was there was hardly any people out there. And I'd have times where it was up to two days and I wouldn't see a person. And, yeah, wow. I just, yeah, I feel like, you know, more people should get out there and, and get out there in the bush. It's just so good for... Um, for yourself and for your mind and you know I never thought of myself as a creative person and I I wrote some poems while I was out there and I, I don't really know where that came from to be yeah. honest but I yeah maybe I just you know never tried or never had the inspiration um yeah so it's an opportunity mm. and you know our mind adjusts to whichever environment we're in so if we're around this busy environment here in the city or suburbia it's you know it's what we see every day and what we hear but if you do somehow end out and you give yourself that opportunity, mm. your mind starts to quickly adapt to that that quiet, that serenity, and those yes. those surroundings. And um, yeah, there's different benefits for both worlds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's so brilliant. So you um very this is a really cool segue. Then you know you're out there doing the Bilman track and um yeah enjoying the sights and sounds of this great city. But then you bumped into um. Yeah, Mac. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I met my partner, Mac. Um, so, yeah, we met mountain biking. It was sort of like a, a mountain biking trip. Um, you know, there's an online group, meetup.com, and we were both on the hike. Oh, well, I was on hiking groups and mountain biking groups. Um, and I'd actually just started mountain biking 
in 2016, um, a friend got me this this cheap secondhand bike for about 100 bucks as a birthday gift. And I thought it was the best birthday gift ever because I hadn't I didn't have a bike since I'd got to Australia, and so I just started to get around on she it. Knew you. Or he knew you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, and he took me out on like my first trails was the um, the Jaredale, you know, Langford Park trails. Wow. And I just took to it like that, and he was yeah. like, "Oh wow, you know, you've you've got this in your blood or something." Yeah. yeah. You know, and um, yeah, and of course that's what I ended up doing the Monday video on. But um, yeah, so I had that cheap bike, and um, and yeah, Mac um, was going down south to the trails down there, and I wanted to go down there, and um, so we hadn't met yet. And uh, replied and said, yeah, can I come too? Have you got space for me and my bike? And yeah, all well, good. And yeah, the rest was history. So yeah, pretty cool that we met, you know, doing that. And of course now we're just, yeah, we're so keen on cycling and all that. So Who needs dating apps <laughs> when you can just have online yeah. mountain biking apps? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, that's really special. So, you know, that was a pretty cool little moment for you guys because from there on, it's just been immersed into this like bike packing experience. Yes. And, uh, you know, how far can we go with this? And it has been together, really. You know, we'll, we'll talk today about your individual efforts, but, mm. yeah, you guys, you train together, you ride together. It's how yeah. you hang out together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, early on, um, yeah, you got out on that Monday video. The first time you did it was, I think the two of you did a 24-day. At some point, in you did a 24-day ride. Yeah, um, yes. that yeah, it was. So it was 24 days of cycling, but actually 27 days because I had a few rest days. And that was me doing it solo mostly. But Mac did um, come down and meet me for, I think it was two weekends, um, which was really nice. But otherwise I did it by myself on that $100 bike wow. um, with rack and pannier. So it was, a, you know, a bit heavy and I was going very slow, obviously. But yeah, it was my first um, cycle touring trip multi-day, except for one tester that I did just an overnighter, yep. you know, just to test out the gear, test out my body, could I handle it? Um, and then I just jumped in and did the whole trail in that time. So, you know, a couple minutes ago, you are talking about before you did the Bilman, you're mm. like, you know, I've got this you know energy thing going mm. on. Yeah. So with Mac um, and those first couple of bikepacking rides mm-hmm. did you start to notice a shift in or a shift in your in your head or what was it or your body was just responding great he's like oh, actually no this is something for me yeah well I think I realized then I probably did start to realize then the power of the mind really because um you know I would feel often horribly tired and you're just so heavy you know and all you want to do is kind of sit down and lie down but I realized that I could still just push through and do it you know sometimes you'd have times when uh, you know, yeah, it kind of sucks and you're like, oh, this is hard. But um, but I know I can do it and so that's the thing. And sometimes I still get it these days And but, you know, I know from experience that I can just go ahead and do it and and I guess I just love being out there so much. That, that kind helps. Of, you know, so there's been yeah. a lot of bike rides to get to that, that mm. mindset, I know I can do it. Yes. But back then it was uh, I want to want to try it. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. And having a supportive partner would have played a huge role in that. For Whether sure. it was meeting on that weekend or, um, yes. yeah, I don't know, I'll be with you on this ride. Yeah. Just yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely, you know, encouraged me, um, you know, over the times when he's seen me getting really tired and sometimes I'd be sitting on the side of the trail going, oh, you know, I'm so tired. And he'd be like, you can do it. Almost there. That's all we know, need. So, yeah. He's always been very encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Great. And he's a yeah. pretty uh, handy bike rider himself. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
and he's um he's my main bike mechanic as well so <laughs> i'm still not that great with that kind of stuff although i'm definitely getting better but yeah no you're strong uh, he's brilliant Sasha. yes yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> cool so um shout out to south perth rollers you guys actually drove in a couple of early mornings yes. and um yeah. you know jumped on a couple of loops and yeah um but probably after a, a few of them you're like whoa what's happening here but you know you were commuting <laughs> one morning and you bumped into mike from Armadale Cycling Group. Well, it's actually um, so I met Gordon on the bike path when Gordon I was cy- yes, yep. when I was cycling one morning, yep. and um, we just start chat, and um, yeah, and he told me he said, "Oh, do you know about Armadale Cycling Group?" And I was like, "No, I never heard of heard of the group before." And I said I was going all the way to you know South Perth to sometimes do a group ride. Um, so I thought, oh, brilliant! This is you know a lot closer to home. So yeah, it took me a while to finally get along to a to a group ride. Um, and, and everybody was so friendly and I was like, yeah, this is cool. Um, and, uh, and that's when I met Mike. And so, yeah, he told me about, um, the, the, the great Southern ultra challenge. Yeah. Um, so that's, I didn't know that the world of ultra cycling existed up until that point. And, and he said, you know, he was planning on doing it. And I think there was about another so, three yeah, or four what time guys. of year was it when you, when you met, when you um, to Mike? So that was, I think that was the middle of the year, maybe about May or June or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it was still another five months until the Great Southern in yeah. November. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he told me he was planning on doing, you know, 200 Ks a day for eight days. And I was like, oh, far out, you know, um, <laughs> Mac and I had already managed to like, you know, kept building up the kilometers that we were doing in our bike packing trips, but we hadn't got over the 170k per day mark. And, you know, we're only talking like normally we'd do maybe two days of that. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, you know, that's, Whoa. that's like too much. Um, I love my sleep and, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. And, um, and he said, cause I told him about my bike packing trips and stuff. He said, you can do that, you know, no problem. And, but I thought, mm, don't know. But the idea stuck in my head and, yeah. and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I, and I told Mac later, I don't know if it was that same day or maybe I ruminated about it for another, a couple of days. And then I told him and, and, you know, because of my fatigue issues and he seen me being so tired and everything, he said, oh, I don't think, I think that's too much for you. I don't think it's a good idea, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny. And, and, you uh, know, yes, like, he did. yes. And, you know, he does, he does know me though. And he knows that when I get something in my head that, you know, it's pretty much impossible for me to change my mind. So, and he knows, you know, that I'm also, I have my own mind and I'm stubborn. So, you know, he, he tried a little bit and then he was like, oh, well, you know, you do what, what you feel is right. And I was like, yeah, well, I think, I think I can do it. You know, I've got five months. I just need to build up the kilometers and see how I got, I can only try. Right. Um, and, and I absolutely love challenges. Challenges is like, yeah, my, my thing. I love, you know, I'm a completist. I absolutely love finishing things. Um, and yeah, so I thought, no, this is, this is something that, yeah, I can, can do. And it was great because it gave us more, um, excuse to get out there even more and do more bikepacking trips. So we yeah. started to switch to more on-road because before we'd, you know, be focusing on off-road, uh, bikepacking and the Great Southern is on the road. So yeah, we started to do lots of weekend trips. It would be like 200 Ks and 200 Ks, two days in a row. For the first time. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah. And like, so that was, um, that was cool. It started to get close to the event and I realized, oh, actually 200 Ks a day is not 
so much of a challenge anymore. I know I can do it. There's a shift there. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. So it started off being, you know, like, oh wow, you know, that's that's going to be, you know, hard. And yeah, of course you go through those tired times. But yeah, all in your head, I think. Um, and yeah. So pretty much, um, it came within a couple of weeks, and you're like, yeah, yeah no, actually, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident here. Yes. Based yeah. on the hard work. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the actual event itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. So I think um, I, so yeah, few, just a few weeks before the event, uh, a couple of the guys in ACG who are also riding sort of said like, oh, you know, um, oh, it's a shame you're not racing it, you know, because I said, oh, I just wanted to finish and I was just going to do 200 Ks a day. And I wrote in my um, sort of like write up um, for all the, all the entrants would write that and would go on Facebook. Um, and I wrote in my write up that I was going to do it in eight days, you know. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of weeks before the event, I suddenly thought, you know what? Yeah, I need more of a challenge. I think, you know, I've been hearing about these guys doing these other events around the world, around Australia, um, doing, you know, maybe like 300 Ks a day, not sleeping much, you know, that kind of thing. And okay, I love my sleep, but you know, you don't know until you try. So maybe I should just try because yeah, I, I do want, um, need more of a challenge now and, and that. So, yeah, so I did, um, started the event and I did the first, I think it was the first day I did 300 K. So I was pretty happy about that. I'd only done one 300 K wow. ride completely before that event. Wow. And then, and then I also did a 400 K on that event. So I was like, Oh yeah, cool. This in, is amazing. <laughs> in one day, start to finish, then going down to sleep. Yes. Yeah, yes. And I, Oh, cause that's right. I also decided I would try and sleep for three hours because I met somebody who told me actually, um, adventure racer. Yep. Um, so they sleep very little, you know, do yep. those team events. They told me sleep in 90 minute blocks. So either sleep 90 minutes or sleep. Yeah. So one and a half hours or sleep three hours or that or four and a half hours. Was this so, during the event? Uh, no, that was uh, before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the lead up. Maybe the week before. During the event would have been pretty risky. But... Oh, but I did try it in the event. I hadn't tested it before. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah, taking risks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So the first couple of nights I slept for three hours and of course I'm just sleeping in the bush by the side of the road kind of thing. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, in these events you can... Uh, sleep in accommodation if you wish but one of the rules is you can't uh, organize it in advance so you know if you're going to book accommodation you have to wait until the race starts or the event starts um, and then book it Um, and yeah and I should say that these events are unsupported so yeah you don't have you know you're not allowed to have anybody meeting you along the way you're doing everything for yourself so sort of and you don't draft as well so it's like solo and unsupported I think that that adds another element of challenge to it as well because you've got to do everything for yourself and, you know, you've got to stop and buy food and, you know, so you're not having anybody handing you food as you're riding along. There's nobody right there just, (laughs) just, you know, keeping you on on check. I'm here with you. You can do this. That's not there. Yeah, exactly. So that changes a lot. Oh, yeah. And you've got to, you know, obviously manage everything yourself, you know, um, whether they be mechanicals or, um, you know, if you're having body issues or yeah, your nutrition and your hydration, you know, got to be constantly thinking about that because, you know, if you're cycling 20 hours a day, I mean, you might be burning more than 10,000 calories. It's, you know, that's a huge issue in itself, trying to get enough calories. Mm. Um, and mm. you got to think about, you know, like, um, I always make up a plan, 
um, where's the the shops and what's the opening times because if you're riding through the night you also have to be able to acquire food and you know you might be going through small towns so maybe the last place was closed at 6 p.m and you got something a bit before that and then you have to think ahead and go oh well the next time I get to a town that's open it might be eight o'clock in the morning and if you're cycling through the night that's a lot of calories that you need for that time you know so all those kind of things so yeah that's the other thing I love about these events is is you've just got to do everything for yourself mm, and the planning involved yes mm. yeah exactly. you mentioned to me that um You've got it. Sometimes it's actually uh, not helpful to book the accommodation and mm. go there because, you know, there's a you can get too comfortable. Yes. And you might not want to restart. <laughs> yes. That's the obvious one. Um, also, the times you don't know what times you're going to get there. So, yeah. You know, yeah. communicating can just get that mm. could be stressful and just not practical. Yes. Um, and you know, and the the beauty of bivying anywhere is that yeah, well, you can just stop when you really need to. So you wait until you're so sleepy that you can't stay awake and then you can sleep, you know, so that's a benefit um, because, yeah, I mean, and also if you're only sleeping for short periods of time, it, practically it's kind of hard to, you know, go into some accommodation at two o'clock in the morning or something, you know, you sort of got to think ahead and then, yeah, you may have sort of thought like, okay, yeah, I'm going to plan to get to this town. It'll be midnight. I've prearranged with this accommodation provider to get in at that time and you might get there and you go oh actually I'm not really all that tired I could have kept going you know so they don't really marry up do they no no but, but you could also even say one of the huts out there you know mm. you, yeah you can't really even have that hut as your thing because mm. it's not yeah. as much of the accommodation but you still might be you know uh, yes it's just yeah like it, I'm everyone's good here or yeah, yeah exactly like everyone's different and you know I know there's also an advantage of if you're staying at accommodation you carry less weight because you don't need the sleeping gear but for me it just works to to be sleeping wherever and and yeah because like Mac and I have um, spent so much time doing that um, before I started to get into these events you know so we just started we used to carry a tent and then we moved towards or oh, we'd stay in a hut you know, but we moved towards just um, carrying a basic bivy sack. And it's just basically just like a large plastic bag with a reflective in it to sort of keep a bit of warmth in. But we would often just sleep on top of it. If it's nice, we'll sleep under the stars, you know, on the ground. Um, I mean, we're on an inflatable mat to keep it off the ground for a bit of warmth. Yeah. But yeah, um, so it does. Def- it did definitely help that, that we got used to that kind of way of of being out there and um mm. yeah for a lot of people you know that's quite a new thing as well so. yeah but well, i guess you know being clear on what you want out of the event so for you it is i want to get the best time possible and mm. that's been the way it has been from the start by the sounds of it so yeah these things and were in that favor definitely and and keep you know um like increasing the challenges and pushing my limits that's what i absolutely love um love to do so um yeah that first uh, great southern ultra i was i was pretty happy with my um yeah my finishing time like four days and four hours and something i think it was um and i finished uh, first female and fourth overall and so being my first event and and you know as i said you know I'd, and like oh some people commented to me after they said they were laughing because I'd written that my aim was to do it in eight days and I did it in just over four days, you know, and, um, I think some people thought that was a ruse, you know, and I was like, no, I hadn't planned it, you know? And then, and then I thought, wow, you know, this is amazing. Like to just see what you can do when you push yourself a little bit. Um, and, and yeah, and sort of like, you know, drop those expectations and, and don't put those, um, 
sort of self-imposed limits on yourself, which is very easy to do. Um, yeah, and can just really see what you're made of. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you were saying that you came out of it just there going, less assumptions moving forward. Yes. And, yep. um, yeah, just more of an attempting mind mindset. Yeah, just, yeah. all right, I'm not going to try and put a benchmark on this. Yes. Let's just attempt it and then change it as we go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, and people always ask me at the start of these events, what's your plan? And my usual answer is, oh, there's no plan. <laughs> I just go for it. And, you know, and I think also a lot of it, you know, I often say I ride how I feel, you know, so so I don't try and, you know, push too hard at the start because I, I see, you know, some people do that. They get a bit too overexcited and into the competitiveness at the start and they just shoot out. And But that can be a bad, bad thing sometimes, especially when you're dealing with the heat and, and those kind of things. You can... Um, yeah, you can really like burn yourself out and some people make themselves ill as well if they, you know, sort of push too hard. So I just kind of keep it steady and, um, you know, try not to uh, try not to faff around too much. <laughs> and yeah, as I'll talk about as well later, the, um, the sleep thing as well. So push the limits with the sleep. So yeah. Sounds awesome. <laughs> G'day guys. If you've got a product or service you'd love to promote to this kind of audience, get in touch with the Amateur Hour at Facebook and Messenger and have a chat with us. We've got a rapidly rich and diverse growing audience and we love taking this pod further and with any sponsorship we're going to look to upgrade the audio and keep pumping out some incredible stories from our amazing community here and beyond. So look forward to speaking to you and enjoy the rest of the potty. Yeah, so the beautiful Mundabiddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the pleasure of yeah a few trips now myself. I've um, done Mundaring to Dwelling Up. Um, we caught the train up to Mundaring, and then we caught the train. We rode across to Dwelling um, from Dwelling Up down to had a pie at the Pinjarra Bakery, <laughs> and we rode to Mandurah and caught the train back to Perth. And then a year later, we did it in reverse. Um, and yeah, and then a couple of years after that, with my mate, we did it from we caught the bus and train to Pemberton. So ended up Dwelling Up and. Each sure. time it's just, you know, you become more experienced and you see new spots and that, mm. that Pemberton to dwelling up one, like honeymoon pool, you know, it's still yes, stuck in my same. mind, that, that tranquility there, um, mm-hmm. you know, are the single track and the sights that you see, the remoteness of it. You're so far away from other people mm. um, yeah. and the little spots that you do, like the people that you do meet or there's a couple of little spots where you can stay and these tiny little pubs and the people that you... Mm you chat to and you didn't even know the stuff existed out there yeah um we're so lucky to have yeah, that trail it's, yeah yeah it's such a brilliant uh resource the mudby trail foundation does such a great job and maintaining it and they're always trying to improve it and and things like that but yeah um that's my partner and and my favorite trail so we we're lucky in that we live very close we're in armadale so you know we could be like 38 k's um ride after work on a friday and we'll be on the trail you know so we'll often yeah um quite often just go up to to our local hut as we call it at wongong hut and um and then you know go north or go south from there for the weekend and um yeah so and we've done like i think i've done the trail now about six times three times in in like one trip and end three end. times yeah three times in sections um so yeah um my partner and i would get out a lot um you know even just like taking the the bus down um south further and then um 
or like, you know, drive down, leave the car somewhere and then take the bus down to another bit and then ride back um, to the car. Uh, yeah, so no, it's, it's brilliant. And the shelters um, are great. And yeah, as you say, like just, yeah, we just love getting out there and, and living that, that simple life, even if it's just for a few days. Yeah, I mean, for any listeners who haven't done it and, it, you know, entertaining the idea, yeah, you've got these huts which um, yeah, they're very well sheltered from mm. the elements. Um, they've got sometimes fresh water. Yeah, um, yeah, rainwater tanks are good. Yeah. yeah. And like maximum sort of 50 k's apart. Um, yeah, or, or even less in some places. Or, you know, that might be between a hut and a town um, or two huts. And you go through such a variety of scenery. So we absolutely love the bits down south amongst the, um, the giant tingle trees and the carry forest. Um, but, you know, some bits are going by rivers and, yeah, I mean, the bush um, is just, yeah, it's just really amazing. And some of those huts are in quite good spots scenically as well. Yes, yeah. Actually, Dandelup Hut is probably um, my favourite with that view. You can yeah. see the ocean. Yeah. It's really nice. Although well, you have to watch the mozzies because they can be particularly bad there. They <laughs> so always, carry repellent. There's always a, a, yeah, a flip like that, isn't there? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, some of the wildlife. So I remember, um, you know, following, you know, uh, luckily following um, a pack of emus and the babies and cool. like they motor yes and they just, oh yes. straight line yeah um, and I got a funny story about that because my first trip on the Mundabidi which was that you know 24 day trip on the $100 bike I actually got chased by an emu so yeah I was, yeah. I was by myself and luckily I was going on a slight downhill and um, yeah the emu I didn't see any chicks I thought maybe he was being protective chicks but maybe I just couldn't see him because he sort of just came out of the bush and then was just running behind me. And, um, you know, it was for oh, quite a few hundred metres that he was behind me. And I was sort of like peeping. I'm like, oh, good, I'm on the downhill, you know. That's bloody and, scary. Yeah, and like a good few seconds, I look behind me thinking, surely he's left me by now. Oh, dear, he's still there. Go faster, go faster. <laughs> oh, man, that was crazy. So yeah. I don't know what it was. Like, yeah, I don't know what he would have done if I had stopped, but I wasn't going to try. I was just, just okay, just keep your, going. And... Testing out your, uh, not your endurance, but your... Um, <laughs> sprinting, sprinting skills, skills. <laughs> Yeah, no, just um, love it to bits. And, you know, I think, like I said, when Glenn put that out there, I'm like, let's chat to this person, you know, who's just so passionate about this trail, but also, mm-hmm. yeah, um, has a fair competitive um, edge to her as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, going back to finishing the, the Great Southern for the first time, mm. yeah, something just went to you, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do more of these. And yeah. talk to the listeners now, but you've, you've gone and entered these events, Mount Magnet, Gold Rush, Granite Grovel, and Mundabidi Ultra twice in mm. its last two years. It's inaugural almost two years ago. Um, yeah, so the participants, you know, they're, they're gradually growing. It's still a small community. Yeah, um, small. But first of all, for you, um, yeah, how's that journey been? Just one after the other, learning what you've learned. Mm. Yeah, all right, all right. Just raising the bar this way this time. <laughs> um, yeah, what's what's it been like that journey yeah. over the last? It's been now four years. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, no, so twenty, so three years. This yeah. would be the third year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, the Great Southern, my first Great Southern was twenty nineteen. Okay, and then um, and that was yeah, I think the first um ultra endurance unsupported cycling event over in WA was organised the year before in twenty eighteen. I didn't know about it then, and then last year twenty twenty there was yeah the Mundabidi Ultra. Um, as well as the Mount Magnet. Um, so that's uh, organised by Damien Van Loon. He's the same organiser as the Great Southern Ultra Challenge. 
Um, but yeah, for me, um, well, yeah, I finished the Great Southern and, and that just, that feeling of finishing is just so amazing, you know, really no matter where you finish, it's just, um, yeah, you just feel over the moon, you know, you've achieved something that you never thought would be possible and, um, yeah, and then, you know, and everybody, the community is just great, you know, even if some people treat it like a race, but you don't have to, you know, there's, I mean, cause these events, look, there's no prizes, um sometimes there's no fee involved sometimes there is but yeah you know so there's not like they say all you get is bragging rights um <laughs> once you finish but yeah for everyone who's done this will know that that feeling it just oh you just feel so good um, when you finish and everyone is so supportive so no matter you know where you finish if you finish um as long as you finish it's still an amazing achievement you know to cycle say 1600 kilometers in, in like a week or less, you know, so that's, that's just brilliant. Um, and, and even if, you know, for the people that, um, can't finish because a lot of people do pull out as, you know, a lot of things going on. You're saying there's about a 50% or more. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um, yeah, lately, like there have been some events where it's been over 50% of, um, of people pulling out, you know, I'd say like at least at the very least, maybe a quarter or a third. Um, so it's quite, quite a lot, but yeah, because everyone's just, um, so supportive, you know, everyone's still congratulating you for, you know, doing your best if, you know, if you had to pull out. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one of the things I love about, about these events, but yeah, the, um, the Munda Bitty Ultra last year, I was really quite, um, thinking, oh gosh, this is an, a step up from the Great Southern because, yeah. The Great Southern, it's um, it's pretty flat. You go out a lot in the wheat belt, um, so and it's on road, you know. And I was thinking, oh, you know, off road. The Mundabidi is um, quite a decent amount of elevation, uh, depending on what your bike computer says. It might be, you know, thirteen to um, fifteen thousand meters of um, total ascent. So wow. it's a lot of up and down. Um, then you've got all the, you know, the pea gravel and the sand and sections, and there's some pretty steep pinches as well and um and all of that so yeah I was kind of thinking oh this is um yeah this is going to be a bit of a challenge um and I hadn't you know at that point I think I was training maybe up to 200 k's I you know an off-road on the Mundabidi that's quite a decent amount you know that's quite that's a long day like going into the night kind of a ride you know so I was thinking because my partner um Mac also entered the Mundabidi Ultra and yeah. Um, he was planning on doing it in, um, f- he was hoping to do it in four days yeah. maximum. And I thought, oh, 250 Ks a day for four days, far out. I don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, you know, again, like I've said. Was that you turning the tables on him? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, of course, the competitive side of me was like, oh, well, I've at least got to try and, you know, like match what he's doing, you know. So I, I feel like he was maybe slightly surprised when, when um, I got to the hut. Um, that night we'd done 290 k's on the first day and he'd been there for 15 minutes and um and I came along and yeah he was probably thinking oh wow you know she's made it here <laughs> maybe I'm in trouble My shadow. <laughs> yeah um sadly he had to pull out like a lot of people had knee issues um Achilles issues I had my own knee issues I'd never taken painkillers in my adult life until that point <laughs> And um, the middle couple of days, yeah, I was I was popping a lot of painkillers like every three hours. I had this real bad knee pain, and it's funny because you always think, oh, it's only going to get worse. But again, drop those expectations because it always changes. So 
Yeah, yeah right. the the end of the ride, I had been able to stop painkillers for the last day or something because it actually it was fine, you know. So yeah, yeah you just never know. Like yeah. yeah, things are just always changing, and you know you're always going to have like body pains. But it's interesting because you know you might have oh a sore back and I got a sore knee and I got a sore butt from being on the saddle for so long, and then things are competing with each other, and you can make it a positive as well because you're like oh my back. Oh, but at least I'm not feeling my, my sore bum anymore, you know, so. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got this incredible yeah. sport. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so in that first Monday Biddy, mm-hmm. organised by Callum Henderson. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was your time? Um, yeah. So what was my time? Four days, um, four days and just under four hours, I want to say. Yep. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, yeah, about that. Oh, no, sorry. Four no. days, 17 hours. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm getting confused with the Great Southern. Yeah, you remember better than me. Ones. Yeah. And yes. uh, I think you've had that's more sleep it. than yeah. me lately. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, so that's really, really special. A, yeah. you finished it. Yes. Yeah. Um, you got a pretty special time considering mm. the record at that time was pretty much four days. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think I actually got one just within an hour longer than the. Um, the previous record before Callum and yeah. you know, yeah. get that record. Yeah. yeah. But there was no, you know, woman's record as far as we knew. So then I was like, oh, well, maybe that can be the woman's record then. <laughs> pretty special. And yeah, so pretty so, exciting. And yeah, Callum grabbed the record yes. in that event. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was like three days, what was it, three days, 16 yep. hours and something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how'd you go? Amazing. So, yeah, let's touch on then. So... You started to, well, you already had, but you're now looking at, so this is some of the things that you guys deal with. So you've got sleep deprivation, mm, the mm. weather, you know, the elements, mechanicals, just loneliness, you know, it's not, it hasn't got it supported there. And, uh, yeah. and you know, the hunger side of mm. things, um, planning. Um, so, yeah, where in that event did you make some big progress in, you know, certainly those areas in that sleep deprivation area? In the, the first Monday Biddy Ultra. Mm. Um, yeah, so I I think I was, um, I did start off doing the three-hour naps, uh, sleeps, I should say. Um, so the first night I slept for three hours. But then I was riding a little bit in the middle with uh, Pete Armstrong and we were talking about, you know, pushing limits and things and maybe we talk about some of the other people doing ultra rides um, with even less sleep. So we thought, um, we thought, oh, let's let's give that a go. So I think we decided to sleep for I think it was one hour, or it might have been the ninety minutes, maybe because maybe we still wanted to stick with that ninety minute thing because that did seem to work. It's almost like your sleep cycle is ninety minutes, so, so it just helps to sort of wake up a bit more naturally. You still need an alarm, but you know, feeling a bit more awake Can when be you dangerous. wake up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And oh man, we had a, such a freezing cold night in Donnelly River Village. That place is always freezing, and and you know, and that was it was so cold. And when you get so fatigued. It's like you, your body can't keep itself warm anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, we experienced this uncontrollable shivering. And it's crazy. Like, you know, you'd, uh, as soon as I was all right in my, um, I had my quilt and my reflective bivy bag. Um, but as soon as I got out, you'd be just shivering so much and you're trying to pack up and you'd, everything's going like this, you know, and you're just Shaking. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as you got going, it was all right, you know. So, yeah, you kind of have to suffer through these moments. And <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like, so yeah, the cold was a big thing. Luckily that time it didn't rain so much, um, but definitely on other, other events, you know, you, you can have like just constant rain and all of that. Um, so experimented a bit with the sleep nap time. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, that hour, I think that when we did it for an hour and a half that time and, you know, like I know Pete, who was riding with it at the time, was struggling a bit with, you know, so we actually, we left him um, behind and Mac and I carried on. And then I left Mac behind. He um, he had some other issues going on. So left him and Donnie Brook and I carried on. And I rode, I believe, did I ride through, I think I rode through the last night um, with no sleep, like I did on the Great Southern Ultra Challenge, because, you know, I feel like, okay, I'm, I can sleep when I'm at home, you know, so I can, getting I can get through. Now, getting closer. Yeah, now. yeah. yeah. Um, and finished during the day on that first one. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, oh no, sorry. I did no? actually, um, I did finish during the day, but I, I just remembered I did have a couple of hour long sleeps cause I was getting pretty tired, yeah. um, at the last bit. But, um, yeah, so unfortunately I didn't, I was hoping to still try and get under that four day mark, yeah. but unfortunately I didn't make it on that yeah. time. But, yeah. uh, anyway, then I, I finished and I was still pretty happy as you do. You just feel amazing. You get close to the finish and you're like, oh yes, I, I've been picturing the finish all this time. Cause that's one thing that really keeps me going. Some people find that doesn't work for them, but I find I just am always imagining how good is it going to be to get to the finish, obviously, but like even just points getting close to the finish. Oh, how good will it be to get to, um, you know, Pickering Brook? Because then I know I'm near the end. Yeah, you know. in our in the races <laughs> that I do, I sometimes think just um, I'd actually just the last K mark or the last two mm-hmm. K marks, mm-hmm. depending if it's a road race or a quick for us. But uh-huh. I just know that I need to get to that point because if I've gotten to that point, yeah. I'll do whatever it takes to get you know across yes. the line and get you know to that first position. But it's not about yeah getting to the finish line for me. It's about getting close and then once yeah. I'm close, I'll just kill myself to get, you know, <laughs> yes. across that line. So yeah, that's great. There is um yeah whatever it takes for you mm. visualization yes. to get that that big goal. That, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, um, one, you know, it probably sounds cheesy to a lot of people, but one thing that works for me is, um, motivational music. And, um, and so I call it my beast mode music. And nice. so, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And I find it works like it just, yeah. Um, recently, oh, the, the Mundabidi Ultra this year and, um, and I was getting near the end and it was funny because once I'd finished, somebody said to me later, they said, oh, um, what happened? You were going at like 10 k's an hour and then all of a sudden you were going at 20 k's an hour and it was when I turned the music on. <laughs> it just like, yeah. It's I was, so true. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes with these ultra events, you know, you've been doing it for days and you just, you obviously, you're so tired near the end and and um, it's almost the opposite to what you described and that, you know, you think that maybe, oh, you get to the end and you'll be able to kind of speed up because you're almost there. But it's almost like the brain just kind of turns off and everything sort of starts to shut down. Your body, you know, it's like your mind's telling you, oh, you're done now, you're good. And you're like, no, not yet, I'm not quite done. And so sometimes you actually just get really slow when you're getting near the end. Yeah, so... um, (laughs) That's completely opposite. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But for good reason. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I was just going so slow and I was just like, oh, because I knew I was going to, you know beat my record time from the previous year well, hang on yeah yep, so yep. here we go <laughs> so this year's event yes went back hungry for more um with yep. times and and uh, others in your sights and congratulations you set yeah um the current second fastest time 
behind Craig Wiggins and yes. your personal fastest time again. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, three days and... 15 hours yeah. and 43 minutes, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it's pretty if special. I correctly. Yes, yeah, I knew, you know, I didn't plan to get that that time, you know, all I... I planned was was to get a faster time than I did the previous year, so beat my own woman's record, um, and yeah, and I thought, oh, well, it'll be great to to get under the four day mark, like you know, my partner had planned the first time, and I thought, oh yeah, that'll be pretty cool to get under four days, you know, I wonder if that's possible. So let's tell listeners the distance yes. and the elevation okay. for that time. Um, so the the Manubiri is one thousand and forty um, kilometers long. Um, and the elevation is, uh, yeah, sort of 13, Approximately. Yeah, 13 to 15,000 metres um, total ascent. And three days. Three days, 15 hours and 43 minutes. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I know, like, if, you know, people said to me, um, oh, yeah, you could do it in that time. And, you know, and I even, like, I didn't sleep for the first 550 kilometres. So the first place I slept was in Nana. And even then I slept for 20 minutes. So my total sleep time was about one hour, 15 minutes over that whole thousand Ks. So again, if somebody told me that I was, that I could do the entire Mundabidi on less than an hour and a half sleep, I would have been like, that's impossible. (laughs) So yeah, it kind of just shows again, like just don't put any limits on yourself about what is possible and just go for it and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, look, this is significant, right? Mm. So that for you has been a, you know, a journey over the last yes. few years to get to that point. Mm. Um, but yeah, you've talked about, um, yeah, the feeling sleepy versus mm-hmm. sleepy. Yes. And yep. yeah, because you've now had so much practice, mm. uh, mm-hmm. you've gotten to this real acute awareness of, all right, I'm feeling sleepy, but I can keep going or... I'm sleepy, all right, time to stop, lie on the yes. ground for five minutes, yeah. on top of my bivy, whatever it is, on the ground. <laughs> or nothing, yeah, yeah. I was just in, yeah. just what I was wearing, my helmet and everything, um, yeah. Because, yeah, this is sleepy. <laughs> yes, and yeah. this one needs to happen now, right? Yeah. Hi, I'm Mitch Stocker, and you're listening to Amateur Hour with Alistair Evans. If you're not listening to this, you're probably listening to Life in the Peloton. So one of your favourite events and, yeah, earlier successes was Mount Magnet. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Mount Magnet, that was, oh, what a crazy event. Um, We had um, crazy block headwinds, like 40 k's an hour plus, and we had heat in the mid-40s, you know, so, so many challenges. But, um, yeah, that one went pretty well for me despite all that. And I, as I usually do, I rode through the first night and a lot of other people um, stopped and slept. And then I got away from the heat a bit earlier than some of the others and before it turned to headwind. So I actually, like, ended up getting a um, about 200 k's in the lead. Um, and then, yeah, of course, had the horrible run back to Geraldton into the block headwind. But, you know, you have to keep reminding yourself that everybody was in the same boat. Um, and everybody had that horrible headwind and you just had to just keep moving forward, you know? Um, so yeah, I finished, um, first overall in that, in that event. So that was the first, first time that I'd, you know, I think there was, there was only about, you know, 20 people doing it because these events here don't have such a big turnout, but still, you know, it was pretty cool feeling to be able to finish, finish first overall. And, um, yeah, 
Beat all the boys. <laughs> Bring it on. And another one, Granite Grovel? Yeah, um, so that was probably the next one. That was, um, yeah, this year, um, off-road. And, um, yeah, 660K. And, um, again, my usual thing of just, you know, keep it steady, keep moving forward, sleep as little as possible. And um, a lot of people pulled out in that one because the weather was horrendous. We had so much rain. We had hail. It was cold. Um, some people were suffering from like almost um, hypothermia kind of thing um, and um, yeah and so again I always you know make the most out of a um, horrendous situation and keep positive and keep moving forward so um, yeah I finished first and overall in that one as well yeah yeah such a big achievement <laughs> isn't it yeah and um, and that was cool actually because the um, because it was so muddy and so wet um everybody had to either change brake pads or some people didn't even think unfortunately to bring spare brake pads so some yep. people pulled out because of that yeah um but anyway this one normally we don't get any prizes in these events um but i got a um a little medal made out of the worn completely worn to the metal brake pads of the organizer because he took part in the event as well that's cool so he turned it into a medal and he put granite gravel um 2021 winner on it. It. and and made it into a necklace yeah <laughs> i was stoked that was brilliant that's epic yeah yeah <laughs> and gold rush oh yes gold rush so that was um yeah dan acg that's his um ride that was 500ks and um yeah of course uh that one i managed to do with um no sleep um whatsoever so just one ride and that was quite a bit of elevation i think it was about six thousand meters of elevation and um, yeah, as usual, you know, some people pulled out and uh, yeah, finished, got to the finish line um, first overall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, all right, cool. Any other events that um, really stand out for, um, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I've already mentioned the Gangsters, uh, the Gangsters Ultra. Um, yeah. So I ended up being the only one that did the 700 kilometer um option because yep. it's 350 or 700 kilometers and um yeah i think uh that's my second longest ride with no without any sleep um yeah so i think yeah the mag mount magnet really um stood out for me i think because yeah and i managed to do the first uh the first part of the mount magnet ride i did 800 and i think it was 818 kilometers with no sleep so um yeah so that's wow. the that's the most i've ever done but yeah as as i've mentioned i absolutely love you know testing those limits and see how far i can push it so of course i'll probably be thinking oh can i do you know a thousand k's or something crazy like that with um with no sleep and in one ride yeah i mean that's that's it we're, we're always looking at the next challenge mm, uh, and yes. your sport you know involves that that's yes. a big part of it yeah definitely yeah yeah um yeah and it's just it's just such a you know amazing feeling to overcome all of those challenges that you have on a ride you know whether it be bike problems body problems you know weather um yeah all sorts of things you know and, and yeah you can um just make it to the end and yeah it just feels so good <laughs> bottle it and that moment that feeling if you can bottle that and you know you don't get to keep that with you all the time but that feeling's the one yes yeah, exactly. And that's what keeps me going in the next event, you know, and I just think like, how good is that going to feel when I get to the end? And I know that it will get there eventually, you know, I'll get there eventually. And I try not to 
pay too much attention to how big a distance because it can be so mind-boggling if you're thinking oh a thousand kilometers you know far out that's a long way away Mm. so I really pay very little attention to the overall distance I might if I need to I might be looking at oh the distance to the next place I can get food you know food's a big motivator for me so I think that's probably (laughs) what's working so well is you're never looking miles down the track you're just going what's the first goal yeah okay what's the first goal after that Mm, and therefore you're not coming undone yeah yeah that's a big part of it because yeah it's it is all a lot of it so much of it is in your head so you know how you just how you approach everything and how you um yeah meet those challenges just this lack lack of expectation around the sleep side of things so Mm. as you touched on back there is you had no idea that if someone had said you'd do that in that time with one hour and a half sleep, you would have just knocked no them way. over the head with a cricket bat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, to, if you take away that, that expectation on such mm. a huge part of this, this sport, mm-hmm. um, so if it goes better than that, if it, you know, he's like, oh, look, if, if my goal is to do it in this time, great, um, which means I would have to sleep, you know, a lot less, but... It just seems to me that you go into these events and you're like, let's just see where it goes this time. Yes, yeah, exactly. Instead yeah. of it has to be this or else yes. I'm going to fail. Yes, yes. Well, a lot of other ultra cyclists talk about, you know, you have some different, um, you might have some different goals. And of course, you know, one might be to finish and then two might be uh, finish within a certain time, you know, and so forth. So you can kind of, you know, but yeah, again, like I, I try not to think about it too much because like you say, you know, I don't like having that pressure on myself, but then at the same time, I like the challenges, you know, so it's sort of, it's interesting and you can sort of, you know, like on that recent Mundabidi Ultra, I could see the battle in my head going on because, you know, I was having, you still get a bit of self-doubt. So like in the initial bit, I kept thinking, you know, how is this going to be possible? How am I going to do this in under four days? This is, you know, like nuts. And yeah, and so you've got to try and like manage those those thoughts. And, you know, luckily I'm, I think of myself as quite positive. So I try not to, you know, get too much into the negative funk. And um, a lot of people talk about the ups and downs of these kind of events. You know, you sort of, yeah, go through emotional ups and downs. You, know, you get into these deep holes and you have these big highs. I think for me, I don't get it so extreme. So I might get some, you know, definitely be having tired moments and moments where, yeah, there might be a little bit of self-doubt and things. But I try not to get let it get me too down um, because, yeah, I think that, yeah, well, that's that's not going to really help you, is it? <laughs> it seems to be working for you, that approach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you may be thinking like that because going into the event, you haven't really gone, it has to be you know, mm. on this mark. And yes. if you are willing to just play with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, then there's a chance that yeah you'll more be more relaxed. Those highs won't be as high, and those lows won't be as low. Yes, and out yeah. there that can get really magnified very quickly with the elements and yes the terrain that you're on. Yeah, definitely. And I um I also getting you know because I didn't have an aim to be the second fastest person to ride the Mundabidi. So it was as I was going, 
And then I realized, and I think, you know, somebody, one of the dot watchers said to me, I should say, but dot watching. Yeah. So, um, that's a lot of people enjoy watching these events and they can watch it because everybody who's doing the event will have a GPS tracker and that's all linked to one website here. We tend to use map progress. Um, so yeah, you can sort of watch everyone's little, um, spot with their name on it going around the course. Um, so it gets quite addictive when you're a dot watcher. So you have people in the middle of the night getting up and checking, oh, where's everybody, you know? So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, people, and a lot of people will get into it that way. So they'll start by dot watching and then they go, oh, I want to try this myself, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, so I think, yeah, somebody had said to me like, oh, you know, maybe you can get a faster time than Callum Henderson, in which case you'd be the second fastest. You know, there was no, no way that I was going to beat Craig Wiggins' time because that was under three days. Um, but, um, yeah, so I – and then, like, getting near the end, I started to have those doubts because I was feeling really tired, as I said. You know. And it was going towards evening as well. Yes, exactly. So I was going – I was about to go on to the fourth night and I'd only slept for an hour and 15 minutes approximately. You know, so – yeah, you can imagine how hard that gets. And it's like, it's a, it's a battle with your, um, you know, the sleepiness. It's a real battle with your mind, you know, because you just, the, that urge to sleep becomes so strong. And of course, you start hallucinating as well. That's kind of interesting. I mean, um, yeah, and this is, uh, I actually find this side of things really interesting. So, you know, experimenting with how little sleep you can get away with. And it does sound crazy, I know, but and, you know, seeing what happens to your mind when you get in that state. So um, I've experienced hallucinations before, but, um, you know, it obviously has become more, becomes more pronounced and, you know, more you go without sleep. So I was seeing, yeah. uh, you know, pretty much everything I was looking at, which was just the bush and the ground. I'd see things like animals or, you know, nothing sinister, yeah. but just like animals, people, bikes. Near the end, I kept thinking that I was seeing dot watchers come out to cheer me on and then I'd be disappointed because I'd get up to it and it was just a bush moving in the wind. Or, you know, I saw some bikes and I was thinking, but I'm nobody's in front of me. Like, who is that? Like, it looked like bikes with reflective tape on it and bike packing bags. So I'm actually picturing bikes and it was just grass trees with the, um, uh, I think, just the moisture kind of reflecting off my lights on the trees. So yeah. all that kind of um, all that kind of thing. And yeah, you call it pattern recognition. So oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Your mind is almost filling the gaps Yeah, um, and seeing what almost you want to see. Yes, perhaps. yeah, I and think it's sort of like just making, trying to make sense out of everything you're seeing. So, so you're seeing it yes. as recognisable things rather than just a, you know, funny shaped log or a tree or whatever you're actually seeing it as yeah other things and and it was interesting to me that I also would meet people on the trail obviously during the day and yes they were real people I wasn't hallucinating them um but I was talking to people and I kept saying to people do I know you look familiar and I realized that this kind of fitted in with the same you know like pattern recognition thing I think I just everybody I saw looked familiar to me so that was very interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and another, um, another thing that happened closer to the end, I was, um, you know, because yeah, this was going into the fourth night, you know, and, and it was dark and I was just so incredibly tired, but I was so close. So even though before, when I got to that point where I was so sleepy that I couldn't stay awake, that's when I'd lie down and have a five minute nap, just set my alarm for five minutes, lie on the trail, nothing, yep. Yep. no bivy bag or anything. Yep. And, um, and I'd feel 
fine when I woke up, you know, sleepiness gone away. So yeah, I probably had about, you know, four or five of those naps over the course of the thing as well as two 20 minute naps. But yeah, so I was, I was going through the Kalamunda area and it's quite technical and there was some, you know, rocky um, descents and things like that. And, and I think I was falling asleep. Um, well, I assume I was falling asleep, but it was quite interesting because it was like my body was still in control. So I was still holding on to the brakes and I'd like, I'd wake up or I'd come to whatever was happening. My brain would just like shut off, but I'd, um, come back to full consciousness. And then I'd for a second, take me a figure, uh, a few seconds to figure out where I was and what I was doing. And then I'd remind myself, oh yeah, I'm riding the Mandabidi. I'm almost at the end, you know? And so, and I'm really surprised I didn't actually come off. But it was quite interesting because there was no swerving or anything like that. It would just be like a you know microsecond of falling asleep or brain switching off. I'm yep. not sure. Yep. And then I would yeah, I'd wake up and and yeah, I was quite quite surprised that that everything was still in control. You know, my fingers didn't even let go of the brakes. You were pushing pretty hard at the end. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I um I was also having those starting to have those doubts like I don't know if I'm going to make it in terms of the second fastest time you know I'm going so slow now I was going about 10 k's an hour I think and because I was just so tired you know um and then uh and then I you know I just switched it around in my brain and then I was like no you've got to try I'm going to regret this if I don't try you know I'll be think kicking myself later thinking you could have got a you know faster time and and everything so I one of the tools in my toolbox is my beast mode music so I turned that on and then you know just started thinking positive like no you can do this and you know um cheesy things like you're doing it for women everywhere and (laughs) that kind of thing so yeah I was um and then that's when my my speed just like doubled you know so wow so it just it, it really goes to show how much of it is in your head. Of course, it's not all in your head, but it it's it's amazing how you can just turn things around. A large proportion is yes, yeah, for sure, yeah. So yes, I was tired, but the mind is in control, and it was my mind that could actually force me to go faster and get to that end. And yeah, very cool. Get a faster time. If you remember <laughs> any of it, what was it like crossing the finish line? <laughs> oh yeah, it was uh, it was great. Yeah, like I mean, it reminded me of the. It was a bit of deja vu from the first time, you know, and you just that same feeling of elation. So again, in a way, like the the results about how fast you go and everything, and not quite as relevant. Like you know, no matter I feel like no matter where you finish, when you get to that finish, you just feel so amazing. You know, you just like, and you're just so relieved because of course you've you're so incredibly tired and you know you've got a sore butt you just want to get off that bike and and sleep you know so and eat <laughs> what's the location of the finish line it's in mundaring at the um the sculpture park the there sculpture park. so there's a sign so it's a nice you know like mundabitty northern terminus um, yeah, sign so you can such a good spot there yeah so i had to do the obligatory like lift the bike over the head photo which i was actually able to do this year because my bike was a lot lighter hence you know not taking any sleeping yeah. gear it's your trademark <laughs> Sasha. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. What time of night was it? Uh it's like um just it was nine forty three at night. Yep. Yeah. 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 So is in the Mac dark there? this time. Yes, Mac was there. Yeah. Like the finish line is pretty um low key because, you know, it's still quite a as we talked about before, a small sport. You know, it's not and especially at night, you're not gonna have very many people there. So I think it was Mac and Cashy came instead of Callum to film. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, and Sharon, my friend from ACG, she came and rode like the last few Ks with me. Although I said, you should have come earlier when I was like falling asleep on yeah, the bike, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your so. dot was moving too quick. I couldn't. couldn't uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Wicked. So, yeah, so. yeah. Well, pretty special and, um, <laughs> yeah, inspiring a lot of people, Sasha. <laughs> Thank um, you. Talk about, yeah, how... You know, you're feeding Callum's time there and mm-hmm. hot on Craig's tails for, you know, future rides. Um, <laughs> this gender equality. So there's, you know, yeah. you know, there's opportunities for women to really compete mm. and, and, you know, take it up to the boys. Yes. Something yep. you really enjoy with the sport. Yeah, like it's um, it's great. I always say it's, it's lucky for me because ultra-endurance cycling become, you know, especially the longer the, the event it becomes a lot less about how fast you cycle or how you know um, not strong yeah you are on the bike because as I've talked a bit about today, it's a lot of uh, mental strength and your mental attitude. Um, experience comes into it as well. Um, so yeah, and you know I think it just it just fits so well with my um, personality of being you know stubborn <laughs> or determined. Depends on what you how you want to say it. Um, and making those come together to produce, yeah, some pretty, yeah, yes. uh, yeah, unfathomable results. Like they're they're crazy. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they haven't just happened over the space of a six month or one year of getting into the sport. They've, mm. Yeah, and so being able to take it up to the boys, um, yeah, I think that would also be a big motivator for you. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a pretty good feeling because you know we um, women you know, can't really compete with the the boys in a lot of um, areas and Heaps you know and, yeah. yeah and most you know and even cycling most areas of cycling it's hard to yep. compete with the boys so um yeah this is this is pretty cool that everyone's sort of you know you're more on an e- equal uh playing field so yeah <laughs> bring it on <laughs> yeah and i guess now just yeah for those out there wanting to um yeah take on the boys and um <laughs> But also, yeah, get out there on the, the, the trails. So, you know, we've talked a bit about ultra ultra running. That's, you know, got more events mm. and it has a bit more um, publicity. Yes. But there's only really a couple of people, certainly in WA, mm. you know, behind the scenes organising these events. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to see it grow. Mm. Um, how can people help help it grow? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, get involved. Um, yeah, yeah, come along and join the events because I think – um yeah the more yeah more people that we have starting to do them the more more events we'll see pop up and you know maybe in future some organizations will get behind it and actually you know make it a something official because at the moment it's it's pretty underground as you say you know it's often just individuals putting together these events um so yeah but like it this year it's in wa it has grown immensely because people have seen that you know just about what how it is now just about anybody can put together a route and then put it out there to the ultra cycling community or community in general and say yeah come you know come join in and give it a go so like this year we had um like i entered um uh the gold rush um so that's one um by uh dan who's an acg um, our cycling group um so that was a 500k off-road event and granite grovel that's another guy in the ultra cycling community um who's done some of the on-road ones um granite grovel was 660 k's from sugarloaf rock down near dunsborough to um dog rock in albany 
Um, so that was great. And um, the, yeah, obviously the Mundabidi Ultra has been two years in a row now. And Callum also set up the Mundabidi Sprint. So that's for people who didn't quite want, you know, the full length Mundabidi. So just the, I think it's 330 Ks from Collie to Mundaring. Um, and, and the Gangsters Ultra, um, that Rusty was... Rusty McManus. Yeah, uh, Rusty McManus had a, Oh, yeah, had Rusty a, and, yeah. yeah, and Glenn and yeah. uh, Armadale Cycling Group as well. Yeah. So we actually have, like, a little part of Armadale Cycling Group and we <laughs> call ourselves the Ultra Gangsters. And so that's where the gangsters Hardcore. came from. So that's, yeah, there's, you know, sort of about half a dozen of us that uh, do these ultra events. And so two of them decided, oh, let's set up our own event. And um, and it's great because it's sort of try aiming at um, people that want to give it a go. So not too long. It's on road. Um, you can choose three fifty k's or seven hundred kilometers. Um, so yeah, it was sort of like one loop or two loops. Yep. And so that was just a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. it was funny because I think there were sixteen people that did it. And um, originally there was going to be about half a dozen of us doing the seven hundred k's. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being only me. Yep. So. <laughs> So everybody else did one loop and I went around again and did the second loop. Um, yeah, so obviously one go with no sleep. Um, Just goes to show where you're at though, doesn't it? In your journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, good to see the listeners Googling up already those events and, and um, hopefully not driving while you're Googling that, but definitely look them yes. up and what Facebook handles, what other handles can they, can yeah. they get more information, Sasha? Well, probably the best place to go is there's a Facebook group um, set up by a local guy um, called Ultra Cycling Western Australia. So now everybody can sort of use that platform to post the events on there. So that's a good place to look. And so, yeah, events will be posted on there. So there's already dates um, set, events set for next year um, for certain ones, like maybe Granite Grove, I think, might be in May and... Um, the Mundabidi Sprint, I think, is in April. And then, yeah, probably the Mundabidi Ultra will be happening again in sort of September, October. Um, yeah, a few things. Uh, the Gangsters Ultra will be happening again. I think they're going to actually do two events. Um, one that's that hilly one that we did do. And then maybe a flatter one for the people who don't like hills as well. So, yeah, there's quite a few um, quite a few events coming up. And um, also, I should mention, there's some of, us, some of us in the bikepacking community... Um, do like uh, weekend bike packing rides just for fun or for training so yeah one of the guys is sort of tacking that on is organizing those and that's sort of every couple of months and people are always welcome to come and join on those trips so yeah i'd say like um you know get in touch i mean people are um, welcome to look me up on messenger i don't really use facebook but i use messenger um so just note the spelling of my name is s-a-c-h-a um yeah so somebody looked me up and i could point them in the right you know get them on our little chat group and they can you know join our bike packing uh, rides another um cool thing people can do is join the uh what's it called audax um cycling club so that's a long audax is like a long-standing tradition from how do you spell it? france i think a-u-d-a-x great yeah so that's um yeah well, long distance cycling it's non-competitive but i joined that club and and you know sort of use them as sort of training rides you know so they do some really long rides they do lots of 200 400 600 this weekend i'm doing a thousand k ride with them um and yeah so it's another another way to sort of challenge yourself and yeah train doing long distance yeah ah awesome so moving forward what are the next goals um good question uh so oh yes i if if it happens um i was going to do the um race to the rock this year 
which then because of COVID, it got changed to Sydney to Adelaide and they called it Rad Race. It was going to be 2000 Ks. Yeah. Um, so, and then unfortunately COVID got in the way again, so that couldn't happen. So I think they're talking about maybe doing it in April. Um, so yeah, perhaps that I'm thinking to, yeah, definitely do something over East cause the bike packing race scene over East is, is, a is yeah, is a bit um, bigger, you know, more people getting involved. Um, so I might give it a go over there and, you know, maybe in future head overseas and, and try my luck, uh, there. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, any other people that you want to thank for, um, you know, this journey so far that been with you on, along the way? Yeah. Well, um, well definitely, uh, Mac because yeah, he's, he's, you know, such a supportive, um, partner. I couldn't wish for anyone better. And obviously the fact that he's interested in this sort of thing as well. So, you know, now after I did the great Southern, he's, you know, um, doing a lot of the events now too. So this one coming up, um, uh, in November, um, he is, uh, doing that as well. So it's going to be his first on-road, um, ultra, um, so we'll see how he goes. Um, keep him on his toes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and uh yeah uh like damien um van loon and and callum and all the other um organizers of the events you know um yeah definitely thank them because yeah well if it wasn't for damien organizing the the first event that i took part in then i wouldn't have you know got involved and yeah um seen how yeah how um this really fits in with you know my personality and yeah absolutely love it so yeah Awesome, Sasha. Yeah. Well, you are a superwoman. <laughs> Thank and you. And keep pushing limits. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks yeah. for coming on the pod. Yeah, thanks, Alistair. Thanks Cheers, for having mate. me. <laughs> Cheers. What a champion. Love chatting to Sasha. Learned heaps from her, and I hope you took away a few things as well. Just an incredible few achievements in the last few years for her. And, yeah, so awesome that she shared those with us. Her mindset is just phenomenal, how she loves to just push those limits, not look too far ahead, and rock out to some tunes while she's doing it as well. I wish her well in her pursuits moving forward, and I know she'll give that Monday video up to another red-hot go next year and beyond. And, yeah, once those borders open up, let's see where she expands to from there. Yeah, guys, another another cracking one. There's plenty in the catalogue if you haven't been through that. And uh, like and subscribe if you haven't already. Get in touch with us if you enjoyed this one in particular and and share your thoughts. We've got another ep coming up for the end of Season 2. So look out for that one. And I'll see you guys out there on the bike at some point too. Cheers, guys.